Well, welcome everybody who's watching from home. Um, we want to thank you for watching uh, this online. And I want to personally thank all of those uh, who came here, the worship team, the staff, the AV personnel, to make this happen. And as Marco said, Pastor Marco said, this was probably one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. Because part of it is worship is a heart of who we are as a church. But one of my feelings, too, of why we would keep this uh, service uh, open is because sometimes in the midst of fear, in the midst of crisis, that just getting together... Even though we're not talking to each other, just the presence of other believers would provide hope and comfort. And that's what I was hoping to do. And as I struggled with it, I know my son Michael could see me struggle. And so we had a talk, you know, and we, about what we should do. And it was such a blessing for me to be able to work through some of my uh, difficulty, some of my worries with my son. And that was truly a blessing for me. And one of my prayers for all of you who are fathers, that one day that you'll have a relationship with your sons that you could have these talks with. But needless to say, this has been a difficult week. Difficult week for myself, my staff, and I know for all of you. And we're hearing stories of how our lives are being impacted by the COVID-19 coronavirus. And mostly from those who do not have the virus, but how they are being impacted by the restrictions and the panic that is going on. Them not be able to find food. Them waiting in long lines at Costco early in the morning just to see if they could get supplies. Frustrated that they see people just hoarding and filling their baskets, not thinking about them in line, and that that there are other people that might want to have to buy supplies. But this is unprecedented in the life of the church, at least in my lifetime. You know, this is only the fourth time in its history that Disneyland was closed. And we're seeing closures of multiple, multiple um, organizations as a result of trying to stop the spread of the coronavirus. But the biggest thing that we see is a fear and the anxiety that um, is gripping not only our nation and the world. And we experience fear and anxiety because of the unknown. We don't know how bad this situation will get. We don't know how long this will last. We don't know if we have enough supplies, um, if we purchase enough supplies to be able to sustain us if this crisis lasts longer than we think. And with all of this uncertainty, it creates fear and anxiety. But we come today here to hear the message of hope, that we could have hope because God is still in control. We might not understand why he allows certain things to happen, but make no mistake, God is still in control. And we could always have hope. There was an article in uh, Psychology Today where the author said, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between man 
and the abyss. As long as a patient individual or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. And because God is in control, we will always have hope. We could always have hope because, point number one, in times of uncertainty, we can put our trust in God. Once again, in times of uncertainty, we can put our trust in God. And if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Psalms 46, verses 1 to 7? Psalms 46, verses 1 to 7. And this is what the psalmist writes. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Let me repeat that. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, how do we react in times of an ever-present trouble? The psalmist continues and says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And the psalmist is referring to Jerusalem with the temple. Well, at that time, that's where God's presence dwelt in the city of Jerusalem. It said, God is within her and she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. So we know that the psalmist was saying, God dwells in the holy place, the most holy place. And that was in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. But where does God, the most high, dwell today? He does not dwell in Jerusalem. He does not dwell in the temple. Where does he dwell? He dwells within us. The Holy Spirit, the Most High God, dwells within each and every believer who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 7, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. And the Apostle Paul writes, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, which is us, to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and what? Not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but what? Listen to this. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because the Most High God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside each one of us. And once again, Psalm 46, 5 says that God is within her. She will not fail. She will not fall. I'm sorry. God will help her at the break of day. And since the Holy Spirit, the Most High God, dwells inside of us, we too, in the midst of this crisis, will not fall. Not because of our own strength, but to show that the all-surpassing power is from God. And this is why we don't have to fear. This is why we have hope. Why? Because the Most High God who dwells in us will not let us fall. The psalmist continues in Psalm 46, verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms will fall. But he, meaning God, lifts up his voice. The earth melts. 
the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Things seem chaotic. But could you imagine this wall, this wall, this fortress is surrounding you right now. Where all of the chaos is going on in this world. But God is our fortress. And we dwell within that fortress. God provides safety. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And this is what David said. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And he goes on in verse 4. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now this is when David was being pursued by his enemies. And because he believed in God's protection, even though his situation was perilous, he said, I will put my trust in God. And he said, what can mere mortals do? do to me what mere mortals could do to me the most they could do is kill me the most they could do is kill me but I know that one day if that happens I'll be with the Lord you know when we think about the coronavirus really what's the fear about that we'll catch the coronavirus no I think the fear is what will happen if we do catch coronavirus the worst that the coronavirus can do or what it can do to us is kill us and that's what people are afraid of and this is why we look at all of these charts and we see the mortality rate of this coronavirus and I don't know if you've seen these other charts but it lists all these other viruses that mankind have experienced throughout history and they always have what the mortality rate and the charts show the mortality rate on certain illnesses so I think the fear stems from what happens if I contract this illness Does that mean that I'm going to be one of those statistics? Does that mean that I'm going to die? And that strikes fear in the heart of a lot of people. But we can also have hope, and this is the next point, is we can have hope because believers do not have to fear death. Okay, once again, this is point number two. We can have hope because believers do not have to fear death. Can you turn with me to Matthew 10:28? Matthew 10:28. And this is what Jesus is saying here. This is Jesus speaking. He says, "Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell." And what he's telling the people is that there are going to be times when you are going to be persecuted for following Jesus. And Jesus tells us that people will hate us because they hated him. And so he's saying that you are going to be persecuted, maybe even to the point of death. But what does Jesus say? He said, don't fear or be afraid of those who kill the body. Why? Because our bodies are just temporary. They're not permanent 
Our bodies are not eternal. So he said, don't fear those who could only destroy the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather be afraid. Now, the word afraid there is not, does not mean the same as the afraid that he used previously. In this case, he means to revere or to stand in awe of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So what Jesus is saying, don't be afraid of those who could just harm the physical body. But have awe and respect of the God who can destroy both the body and soul, which is eternal in hell. If Jesus was talking to us today, I think this was what he would say. Do not fear the COVID-19 coronavirus, which can only kill the body, but have reverence and awe for God who controls the destiny of your soul, which is eternal. The only thing the coronavirus could do is affect our bodies that are temporary, but have respect and awe of God who controls the destiny of our souls, which is eternal. And the Apostle Paul also tells us that we don't need to fear death because Jesus Christ conquered death at his resurrection. And because Jesus Christ conquered death at his resurrection, so will we. Once again, can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting from verse 54. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting from verse 54. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled, that death is swallowed up in victory. So he's talking about then when our dying bodies, which means our mortal bodies, Our mortal bodies, the bodies we have today, the physical bodies, have been transformed into bodies that will never die. So what's he talking about here? Basically, the Apostle Paul here is talking about the rapture. And this is what Paul was also talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-7, when he writes, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And he's talking about the rapture. And this hasn't happened yet, but this is going to be a glorious event where all of those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be raptured or taken from this earth and we will meet Jesus in the clouds, in the sky. And at that point, our earthly bodies will be transformed and we will be given bodies that will never die. And that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about right here. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-five: O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Verse 56, for sin is 
is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. So basically what Paul is saying, for sin is the sting that results in death. We know that Paul, the Apostle Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. And when Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned, sin or spiritual death was attributed to not only Adam and Eve, but every human being that followed us. And the Bible said, for the wages of sin or the punishment of sin is death. And so all of us, because of we were, because we sin, the punishment is death. And then he goes on, he says, but the law gives in its power. And so what the apostle Paul is saying, that the, the, the commandments, the ten commandments, and all of God's law shows that we don't measure up to God's law. That we are all sinners. Thus, what? We deserve death. However, this is where we get hope in verse 57. But thanks, but thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can thank God because even though each one of us deserved death because of this, our sinful nature, by grace we have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for our sins and he was resurrected showing that he was victorious over death. And because Jesus was victorious over death, we too will be victorious over death. So we do not have to fear death because we all are going to die one day. But all death does is it'll transport us into the glorious life we will have for all eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints who believe. That's why we don't have to fear death. And our, my final point is that we can have hope because God promises that good will come out of this situation. God promises that good will come out of this situation. You know, it's interesting when um, we just, re- we had the anniversary of the tsunami in Japan. But I remember watching all of the news feeds of the Japanese when they were in line waiting to get their supplies, right? They all lined up in an orderly manner. Nobody took more than what they needed. Why? Because they were concerned that somebody else might go without if they took more than their fair share. And I was just in awe how they could go through such a crisis and yet still care about their fellow man. And then we look at our news. We look at people lining up in these huge lines waiting to get supplies. And when they're leaving, they're leaving with their carts just full of whatever, toilet paper, canned goods, and water, not caring if somebody else, the next person, had any supplies. And we're looking at that, and we're saying, what good could come out of this? We're looking at these businesses that are being shut down, these restaurants that are empty, 
and that they're losing money. The airline industry is taking a huge hit and people are, might be losing their jobs. This is impacting them financially and we're wondering what good can come out of this. But God promises that good will come out of this. So even though we don't understand what's going on, we rely on God's promises that we see in Scripture and not what we see out there. Not what we read in social media, not what we see on the news. We put our faith in the promises of God's Word. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Romans 8.28? Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So if you love God, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and trust of your eternal soul in the death of Christ and his resurrection and asked him to be your, his Lord, your Lord and Savior and promised that you would turn from the ways you used to live and follow him. You could believe in this promise because this promise is for you, right? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. To be honest, I don't know why God allowed this to happen. I do have hope, knowing that he is in control. I put my trust in him, not in what I see, not in what I hear, not in the panic that I see going on. I put my trust in him. And for you who also have put your trust in Jesus Christ, God promises that good will come out of this. Now, for each one of you, it might be different. Maybe there are certain lessons that God wants you to learn that you could only learn by going through this. Maybe your trust in him will increase because I, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this because throughout history, we've seen the church persecuted. Satan has been trying to thwart God's plan since the beginning of history, but he was unable to do this. Satan does not have the victory. We will get through this. But maybe when we get through this, you'll look back and you see how God did provide for you. And then your trust in him will grow. Maybe relationships that you have will grow because of this. Maybe God will place on your heart somebody that you know. That maybe there's a strain in your relationship, but they're struggling right now. And God is going to call you maybe to help them. Maybe they don't have the goods that they need. And God is calling you to go and help and meet that need. And you go and do that. And you see a relationship reconciled. I don't know what the good is that God is going to cause in your life through this crisis. But I could promise you, I could promise you, 
And I'm not the one promising you, actually. I'm sorry. God is the one who promises that good will come out of this. And God always, always is faithful to his promises. So what's our weekly challenge? Just because you are sitting at home does not mean that you get away from the weekly challenge, okay? And don't turn off your computers and walk away so you don't hear this, okay? (laughs) What I'd like you to do, if you can't see this on the screen, can they see this on the screen? Okay, you could see that's on the screen. So take a screenshot or do something. I'd like you to read Psalm 46, 1 to 7. Psalm 56, verses 3 to 4, and Romans 8, 28, every single day. Because I guarantee you, as you watch the news, as you look at your social media, you are going to be tempted to panic. There is going to be a temptation to feel anxious and fear. This is why I want you to read these chapters who will give you hope. Because our God is faithful. His words are true and his words can be trusted. So please read this every day. Pray that God will bring a swift end to the COVID-19 virus. Pray for all those all over the world who are suffering from the virus. Now, when I mean suffering from the virus, I'm not just talking about those who have contracted the virus. I'm talking about those who are suffering because of the effects of the virus. Because there are far more people who are suffering from the effects of the virus than they are suffering physically from the virus. I want us to be praying every single day for both. Now, this is important. This is an opportunity for us as believers to shine. This is an opportunity for us as a church, as God's church, the universal church, believers everywhere, to be the light of the world. This is our opportunity to be the salt of the world. And I want you to pray that God will use you, all of you who are watching this, to be a beacon of Christ's hope during this crisis and pandemic. Because I know this is part of God's will for all of us, to be the light and to be the salt. And that's one thing that the staff is going to be talking about this week, is how even though we're not going to be meeting over the course of the next few weeks, at least through the end of March, That we as a church, and like Michael said, the church is not a building, but it's you. It's all of you who call Mission Valley home. How can we be that beacon of hope? What can we do to support those within the body that need help during this time? And even those outside the body that need help. So please pray how God will use you to be a beacon of Christ's hope during this pandemic. And so, worship team, would you please come forward and let's pray. Wherever you're sitting right now, I know it might be tempting for you just to um, turn this off and go about to what you want to do. But through all of this, prayer is the most powerful tool we have to deal with this.
because prayer harnesses the power of God. So wherever you are, wherever you're watching, please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, this has been a very difficult week, a week that has been unprecedented in the life of this country and this world. For Father, I can't even remember a time when all the churches throughout the nation and maybe throughout the world were shut down. And Father, I know that they were done so for a good reason. But Father, just because our doors are closed doesn't mean that we can't be a beacon. So right now, this is what I want you to do. If you are at home, if you are with your families, will you just spend some time praying out loud with those around you to pray for our world, our country, for those who are suffering from the effects of the coronavirus, and to ask God to use you personally, maybe as a family, as a couple, whatever, for, to use you to be a beacon of hope. So right now, as you watch, would you please pray together out loud with one another? We cry out to you in our time of crisis. Father, for you are our refuge and our strength.